Welcome to Jags Drive Time with Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton. Jags Drive Time starts right now. Welcome in Jaguars Drive Time. It is Wednesday morning, December 22nd. The Jaguars back on the practice field today, getting ready for an away game against the New York Jets on Christmas weekend. John Osier and Brian Sexton here. And we have a busy day, so we're going to get right into big things. Big thing one is Shoddy, passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach Brian Schottenheimer, will now be calling the plays for the Jaguars offense. Can this look different? Will it look different this week? Or is it simply just moving some chairs around? Daryl Bevel breaks it down. I thought about it um, as I told you guys I would. You know, I thought about it a lot. Um, had some conversations, you know, with Trent and um, everybody. And I think what's, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to turn the play calling over to, to Brian Schottenheimer um, to really help help on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I think it helps us in a lot of ways. Number one, it lets me, you know, take more on of the, of the head coach role that, that I'm being asked to do with that added responsibility. But also, um, you know, we have a really accomplished um, another accomplished play caller in our midst, you know, and um, be able to, to let Brian take an opportunity at it and put his own, uh, you know, personality into the offense as well. Uh, we'll be obviously in the constant communication. We game plan together um, a lot anyway, so um, I'm really confident and, um, and uh, you know, happy to do. I'm going to be able to turn that to him. And big thing, too, is starters. We're likely to see some new guys these final games that we haven't had the chance to talk much about. Maybe we see a Walker Little with a Cam Robinson injury, or maybe we'll see more of Andre Sisco with Rayshon Jenkins placed on injured reserve. Now is the time of the season where you want to start seeing more of your younger guys play. So possibly that starts this week against the Jets. Big thing three is similar question mark. Trevor Lawrence has nine touchdowns and 14 interceptions this season. Rookie quarterback for the Jets, Zach Wilson, has six touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Out of all the rookies in the NFL, Mac Jones for the Patriots is the only one with a positive ratio. But despite all these rankings, head coach is proud of how Lawrence has handled this year. The NFL season is hard enough just being a rookie and, and playing the position that he that he's um that he gets to play you know there's a lot of responsibility on his shoulders and you know anytime you add any more distractions or um you know outside interference into that i think he, you know just it adds to that um you know i like the way he's handling i think he's been a true uh, true professional about it um he's, he continues to work and um, has been about his business each and every day so um you know i'm kind of really proud of you know what he's what he's done in these last uh, you know over the over this uh, time that he's been here and that is big things. Brian Sexton is virtual with us this morning on Drive Time. And Brian, we just heard Daryl Bevel talk about Brian Schottenheimer being the play caller. And, and it seems to make sense because Daryl Bevel now has to worry about being a head coach. And that's a lot of responsibilities. Sure. You know, dealing with the doctors and the media and all of the different elements uh, that's required of a head coach. But it, it speaks also to Brian Schottenheimer, who for 12 years has called plays as an offensive coordinator over his long career. He also has a really strong relationship with quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Those two have worked together well by all accounts this year. And so what he's really doing is putting the two people who work closest together together to start working on what works for Trevor and what he thinks they can accomplish out on the field. Again, with the limited weapons that they have, how different will it look? I don't know. Will it look somewhat different? It might. Yeah, I think it'll look uh, different for a while, much like uh, the other day, it looked different for a while when Bevel was sort of, you know, free Daryl, if you will. You yes. know, and it it looked like he had some wrinkles early. 
and then it looked like what usually happens with a new play caller, you get a, a, a two or three series bump until the opposing defensive coordinator can sort of adapt to what you're doing, figure it out. If you remember last year early, Jay Gruden had some success with Minshew first couple of games, and then it looked like coordinators kind of caught up and said, okay, this is what he can do with this quarterback. So I would anticipate a similar bump for the first quarter and a half or so on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I'd expect some more life. But, you know, I don't know after 14 games if it's realistic thing there's going to be a huge jump from uh, Brian Schottenheimer because, as, as uh, Daryl mentioned, they've been sort of hand-in-hand in very like approaches anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you're going to see a sea change in terms of, uh, you know, complete offensive overhaul. Yeah, Brian. But why not try? Yeah, why I mean, not try? Why not try? What I mean, nothing else has worked, right? I mean, oh no, so doubt. why not give it over to him? And 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 I I know you're not arguing that, John. I, I think what'll be interesting to watch is Trevor Lawrence has been side by side with Brian Schottenheimer on the sideline, and you know because the cameras are following the rookie quarterback, they follow him everywhere. You've seen the two men hand in glove. I thought it was interesting last week when Trevor talked about how it was to have Daryl Bevel on the sideline and how nice it was to be able to go back there. So I'm kind of interested in. How will the dynamic work with Shotty moving up to the booth? I, again, when you're two and whatever, um, you look well, for interesting storylines like this. It is. It's hard to count how many. I catch myself saying two and 11 a lot. Yeah, I do too. And, and it's, <laughs> it's just uh, that time of year. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the reality is you're limping to the finish. You're trying to get there. You're trying to stay as healthy as possible and get some reps. But we have storylines, so we'll discuss them. We will. That leads us to big thing two. Speaking of a storyline, Andre Cisco. We are going to see more of him. That's because Rayshon Jenkins has been placed on injured reserve. But Daryl Bevel did say that he would be in rotation with Daniel Thomas. So, Brian, we're not sure exactly how much Cisco, but my gosh, will fans be happy because he's coming. We just don't know how much. Well, he's certainly a guy who came with a pedigree as being a ball hawk. 13 takeaways. In his two seasons as a starter at Syracuse. And man, have the Jaguars desperately needed that. I saw him make a very big open field tackle to set up a fourth down in the fourth quarter last week. And as John pointed out, he got blocked pretty easily on that screenplay on Brandon Cook's final touchdown. So it'll be up, it'll be down. Hopefully, what you see is a guy who isn't afraid to jump in there and put his nose in against the run and can make a play, maybe an interception, uh, pick up a fumble, something. Do anything that says, okay, this is why you're a third-round pick before this season comes to a close. Yeah, and I know the Cisco phenomenon has been indeed (laughs) phenomenal this year in terms of fans wanting to see him, and I get it because he was the 65th pick in the draft. Uh, It's okay, though, to see some Daniel Thomas mixed in here, too. Yeah. Uh, They are both young guys uh, with potential. Daniel Thomas is a guy who could be around here for the next two years, so... To get a chance to see both of those guys in this same vein, I do sense, I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but you just get the feeling you're going to see more Walker Little down the stretch. And uh, I don't want them to put uh, Trevor Lawrence on the bench in any way. No. Uh, I would not mind them playing Walker Little over one of the two tackles, Mm -hmm. and that's in no way a knock on Cam Robinson. I think that's true even if Cam is here next year. Uh, but a chance to see Walker Little in that uh, in that rotation in that real live uh, play, I think I think it's time. I I don't know if they'll do it, but I feel like it's time. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. We talked about the scenario of okay, well, 
Jawan Taylor's struggling right now. So put Walker Little in there. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen because I think it would have already happened by now mm-hmm. if it did. It seems like, especially now with Cam Robinson, you mentioned limping to the finish line with those injuries. It just makes sense. Put Walker in his natural position and just see what he can do. Yeah, and it didn't make sense before, but then Walker Little came in and now he's played okay without getting the quarterback just uh, waylaid. I think it's a game and a half now. So you've gotten some trust in him. The whole idea of not playing him before is you, know, is you wanted to protect the quarterback at all mm-hmm. costs. Mm-hmm. And you were still, quote, playing for something. There does come a time late in the season with a struggling team where it is time to see some guys, not a full scale, not every rookie in there. But with a Walker Little, I, it just feels like it makes sense. I don't know if they'll do it, but it feels like it makes sense. Brian, what do Can you I go back? I want to go back to, to, to uh, Daniel Thomas real quick because I agree with everything John said about Walker Little. He's a guy that in training camp last year, uh, last summer, we were excited about and, and thought he would find his way onto the field. It hasn't happened, but he's a talented guy. So let's get him out there. Um, Daniel Thomas was a guy that I had really high hopes for before he got injured in the Pittsburgh game last season. I mean, this is a guy who, when he was on the field in a four-game stretch between the game in Houston and the Steelers game, where he broke his arm, uh, you know, headed into the locker room at halftime after that interception, I, he's got size, he's tough. And you're allowed to find sixth-round picks who become quality starters. So just because this goes a third-round pick doesn't mean Daniel Thomas can't work his way into the lineup as well. He is a really talented guy. And if you went into next year with Cisco and Daniel Thomas, both as starters, I think you'd like that outcome. I don't think Dewey is a, a starting-caliber guy. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't. I don't know how he's made it all season long. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins is highly paid, but I, I, I think Daniel Thomas – is a quality football player. And I think if Cisco is what people expect him to be, I think Thomas can surprise some people. I'm excited about him still. Agreed. That safety position is just up in the air and it's up for grabs for Cisco and Daniel Thomas to make something happen. So we'll see this week against the Jets if they can do just that. That is big things when we come back on the Jaguars Digital Network. Some of this or that coming up. Price.com is the easiest way to save money with comparison shopping, cashback coupons, all in one. It's free. Try Price.com today. This or that. This or that. We're back, Jaguars Drive Time. It's Wednesday. It's time for This or That, presented by Price.com. And we're going to go to Atlantic Beach. Brian Sexton, you're up first. All right. Uh, so here you go. And I'm going to let John answer this before I have any comment at all. <laughs> who would you rather have? Would you rather have an established coach, someone who has done it, to come into the franchise, especially in its current state right now? Or would you take a chance on one of those up-and-coming offensive minds, in particular Byron Lethwich, Eric Biemini? I mean, you choose who. So essentially, John, what I'm saying is Jim Caldwell or Byron Lethwich, which are the two names that people seem to be bandying about the most. So college head coach in on the table, Brian? Uh, no, not <laughs> too soon. Not in, not in my universe. It's not. Uh, and it oh, wasn't last year. I oh, I jest. Um, yes. uh, you know, the reality is I don't care which as long as they get it right. And I always go back to if there was a formula for all this, and this ties into my question as well, if there was a formula, teams would always go with the formula and it would work. It comes down to the human being involved. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of Doug Peterson. Uh, I like the idea of Jim Caldwell. So I guess maybe because of what just happened, I have leaned toward 
seeing somebody that I've seen done it before, mm-hmm. uh, or I've seen do it before. That's not very good English. Um, <laughs> so Caldwell, Peterson, because I've seen them in that role, I get the idea from, from watching Doug from afar, uh, Doug Peterson, that he's the kind of guy who can sort of say, okay, this is the way it's supposed to be. Old NFL guy, not old, but has been in it for a long time, understands what it takes in the NFL, how to calm things down. My gut is that I like that, but what I really hope is that Shad goes through it methodically and finds the guy that uh, you just feel like will have the the ear of the players, a guy who can connect to the players, and a guy who's genuine with the players. I think that's critical right now, no matter which way you go. But the old guy in me, I'll go with the older guys, uh, the guys who've been established. What do you say, Slynn? I would say that you can do both. I would say that you can get the old guy as the NFL head coach, then hire as an offensive coordinator, the hot new offensive mind. We've seen NFL teams do that. I think you can do both, but my gosh, you need stability right now. So Just yeah. like a millennial, Brian. She wants everything. I want them she both. Wants it all. And I think uh-huh. you can do both. Why do one when you can have two? You can get both well, done. But yes, you need some stability right now. So I understand the need for, I've done this before. I've seen this and I can handle this. Yeah, the issue you have is finding that bright offensive mind who's not already a coordinator because they're not going to jump laterally. The Pay him a lot of money, no problem. Well, the team generally won't let them. I'll say this. I I know Byron Leftwich well, right? I, he was here. I saw him at the Senior Bowls the years that he was in Arizona. Uh, this is a guy that I would love to be the head coach of the Jaguars. The only pause I have is this is all of a sudden because of the, the messiness of this year. It's a pretty big lift. I mean, this is someone who's got to come in and not only bring an offense in and take a quarterback and bring him to the next level, but he's a guy who's got to install culture and all of all of that way of doing things. And I wonder if that's too big for any one of those guys, a BMNE or a, uh, a Leftwich, to deal with, which is why I kind of lean towards Caldwell because of his, and I said this to John, his ties to Tony Dungy. I mean, a young Tony Dungy would be the perfect person to calm this franchise down right now. Who is that person? And I asked John, and he said, well, Jim Caldwell. So Caldwell, Doug Peterson, obviously comes from the Andy Reid school. We saw what he did there. Any of those names work, but I'm going to lean towards the veteran guy who's done it before just because of the circumstances of the season. But always remember, uh, Tony Dungy, when he was young, Tony Dungy was a guy who needed a shot. Mm-hmm. And so there's, yeah. there are guys out there. There's a young Tony Dungy out there. Uh, it's just a matter of finding him. So that's, and, uh, and maybe – and that's Maybe it's Byron. Sure. Maybe right. that guy is Byron. Byron Leftwich, for people who did not get a chance to know him in his four years here, is an A-plus, first-rate human being who has been through some tough times, who's proven himself on the field at Marshall. He did it not at a high level of this league, but was around a long time, and he's certainly done it uh, in his time in Arizona and Tampa. Maybe it's him. Yeah. So mine? Yeah. Is it time for me? Okay. It's time uh, for you. And this is sort of a different version of the same question. Head coach will be an offensive background or defensive background. And uh, I'll ask Brian this, but I'm selfish, so I'm going to talk on it first. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, the reason I chose this question is what's fascinating, and it's not new, but it's, it's, you know, it's almost as if these days there's no question that it's always going to be an offensive guy. We're dealing with – a different scenario this week where the Jets went with uh, Robert Sala, who's a defensive guy. But, boy, that's becoming rare. 
And now it's almost like by default, it's almost like the defensive guy has to be so exceptional to yeah. break into the head coaching ranks. Uh, we've really turned as a league toward that. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing because, frankly, I think the head coach responsibility is far more about what I mentioned earlier, leadership, connection with the players, the players looking at that guy and saying, is this somebody I can believe in? To me, that's 95% of a head coach, whether he's offensive or defensive background, mm-hmm. I could care less. But that's not the way the league's going. Uh, the thing I didn't mention here, Brian, there should have been an or special teams because John Harbaugh has shown us, you know, there's a lot of people who theoretically believe the special teams coach is the best place to jump from because you're dealing with all different players and you're mm-hmm. having to lead. Right. You're having to deal with adversity more than the others. So I believe it'll be offense because, you know, goodness knows every candidate is an offensive guy. But what do you think? Well, I wouldn't pass up another John Harbaugh. And uh, Joe D. Camillus, when he was here, and I had this long conversation about special teams coordinators. And Joe's been around the league a long time. And he wanted a shot to be a head coach. And he kept pointing to Harbaugh. And he pointed out the fact that the special teams coordinator is the only other coach other than the head coach, who gets up in front of the team, the entire team, every week. The offensive coordinator doesn't. The defensive coordinator doesn't. The special teams coordinator does. Um, I have to profess ignorance. I don't know who the hot name among special teams coordinators is. But if I'm Shad Khan, I certainly want to know because I don't want to miss on that one either. And I hate to sound somewhat millennial. Um, Shalyn, I'm stealing this if you want it. I don't care at all what side of the ball they come from. (laughs) <laughs> Not at all. And I'll tell you why. Kasala was the guy that I wanted for this job last year when, when names started coming out. Robert Sala's a stud. A he father is. of six, a guy who built a – I mean, look, when this defense was really roaring, he was a big part of the reason why. Smart guy, um, an instant leader, great story, and what he did in San Francisco just built on what he did here. If you have a Robert Sala, a stud personality, that guy that everybody follows and says – He's the man. He knows how to do it. I'm doing it his way. Yeah. Man, go get that guy. I don't care where they come from. Um, and, mm-hmm. I, and I won't profess to know which of the candidates are that guy. I mean, I think I know because I know Byron. Um, but I think everybody else needs to be able to prove that to Khan. Very true. And I think it's dependent as well as who's here, who's staying here. If Joe Collin remains the defensive coordinator, I feel good about that. I think mm-hmm. he's done a heck of a job this year. And maybe if you have that stability on the defensive side, you, you feel better about hiring the offensive mind as head coach. But, John, you're right. Every guy is an offensive head coach at this point. Yeah. And, again, I go back to um, when the, the background and the ability as a coordinator is the most overrated part mm-hmm. of the head coaching equation. When I worked with Tony Dungy, he always said the biggest adjustment he had to make in going to a head coach was realizing he wasn't the defensive coordinator anymore. You couldn't solve problems by getting in a film room and uh, playing the plays back and forth. Mm-hmm. You couldn't be the mad scientist anymore. You had to be the leader and you had to set the tone. It is a different job than coordinator. So don't worry so much about the background. Worry about the man. Yeah. Can I throw this out there real quick? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see the day, um, John, where the head coach – comes from an analytics background I mean, yeah. we're talking about a ceo a strategist right um you don't necessarily have to be able to draw the x's and o's to be able to understand the game and strategize i, I think that as may be a time in the future but we've seen analytics grow dramatically if you can lead if you can build a good staff if you can interview well 
And if you trust people and if there are people that you trust, uh, I mean, you could see an analytics person who becomes the head coach if they've got that leadership ability. Yes. And communicate. Communication I mean, that's is a, key. That's, that, that's out. That's, that's a hot take, right? That's a yeah. Monday kind of thing. That really but, is. I've, I've had you this, I've had this conversation with a lot of coaches and talking about where women go in this game. And you see more and more women getting involved in personnel and on the sidelines. And someone asked me, could a woman be a head coach? And I said, yeah, for sure. Because you don't have to have played the game if you understand the strategy of the game. That's mm -hmm. what a head coach really is, is someone who understands strategy and how to lead players. Very true. Has to be a people person. All right, I'm going to go quickly on this, my this or that. And this is just for argument's sake, because like millennials say, you can do both. You can keep both of these guys. Marvin Jones or DJ Chark? Let's say you can only keep one next year. Brian, who you keeping? Chark. Uh a, he's younger. B, he is a speed guy. He's got size and speed. He's got all the measurables. I love who Marvin Jones is. I really. He, I mean, he's a fascinating human being and really the kind of guy you want in your locker room. Um, but I've got to go with the, the size-speed ratio that Chark brings. And frankly, Marvin Jones has struggled to get open this year. Yeah, if I could have in his prime Marvin Jones, I would take Marvin Jones. I th well, it would be a conversation. Uh with DJ, as Brian said, he'll be going into his fifth year. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure what the future is for either of them, but if you had to have one of them back, I think it's DJ Chark because he's shown that he can get deep and he can, uh, when he's right, he can be the dynamic across the middle playmaker, all those things. Yes, coming off a major injury and luckily posted yesterday on his Instagram that he is off the scooter, rehabbing, back in the pool, back on the treadmill. So good news for DJ, but, but that's the big question. How does he rehab from that injury? It's definitely a bullet point. Yeah, it's going to – well, it, I think he'll be fine from the injury. I think the big question is how the new decision makers, however that plays out, are going to feel about him and then where DJ thinks his market value is versus yes. the Jags. With the injury, throws a lot of clouds into that. Who knows? I hope he's back. He's a good kid. I like him. Absolutely agree. And that is This or That, presented by Price.com. When we come back on Jaguars Drive Time, some Ozone Snapshot coming up. Over 30 communities to choose from with the best selection of move-in ready homes, quality value personalization. That's the DreamFinders Homes difference. Visit DreamFindersHomes.com. This broadcast is ozone friendly. The ozone. We're going to the Palm Coast for Ozone Snapshot. JT, what do you got for us? Next year, we will have the quarterback, first pick, and a massive amount of cap space. It's safe to say with... Who our owner gets at coach is the most important hire in Jaguars history. Yeah, I included this and I kind of laughed at it because my answer when I was reading, uh, when I was writing the answer for this question was, yeah, just like last year. I Very mean, true. It, it's the same situation, but it's even moved forward one more year in that there's a little bit of a time element now. Mm -hmm. Last year when you were hiring Urban Meyer to coach Trevor Lawrence, which that was what it was going to be, he was a rookie. Well, now he's in his second year, and you have to fix some of the things that went on this year to do it. So is it the most important? Uh, in some ways, yes, because every head coach, almost by its nature, is the most important hire of all time because it's what it is. But I think in this case it is, again. Yes. Unfortunately, again. You know, uh, I was thinking about this when I saw this question. Uh, when the Jaguars were winning in the 90s, Everyone laughed at the Cincinnati Bengals. Remember, they had that string of quarterbacks with David Klingler and Achilles Smith, and they just couldn't get it right. Um, but they had been really good in the uh, the late 80s. 
In the 80s, everyone laughed at the Saints. Remember when they were the Aints, the first team to go 1-15 in in a 16-game schedule? I mean, we can go back and find these franchises that become that, um, well, where the Jaguars are now. When people look at, at losing franchises and want to point their finger, they say, well, at least, you know, we're not the Jaguars or the lowly Jaguars, as uh, the writer in the Wall Street Journal referred to the Jaguars in the same article you know, three times last week. It's important because they've got to get away from that, right? Eventually, the Bengals got away from that. Eventually, the Saints got away from that. And for the Saints, it was a long time. They really didn't get away from it until they got Sean Payton in there. Um, although they did have a nice little run there in the, in the mid-'80s with a Dome Patrol, but I digress. You get my point, John. What I'm talking about is getting past the stigma that the Jaguars franchise will never be any good. It certainly can be good. It can be good next year if they pull the right levers and make things happen. But we should never just assume that the Jaguars can't be better because every franchise has its turn at the bottom, and I think it's time for the Jaguars to get past it. So certainly this is a huge hire. Yeah, I mean, people ask me who's had the number one pick overall two years in a row. Well, the Browns have done it twice. Look at the Browns now. They're a competitive franchise. Mm-hmm. The Bucks yep. have done it twice. They've uh, won. They've also won two Super Bowls. The Colts had the number one pick two out of three years, a uh, few years before I got there, and then they were on a run of unbelievable success. Uh, this will turn around at some point. Uh, it has to, and it will, because it's it's the cyclical nature of the league. The next head coach has a chance to do it, and uh, we'll see. Yes, got to get the right guy in there. Let's go to Atlantic Beach. Chad. All right, John, Shad Khan gives you the power to do one thing to turn this ship around. What do you do? Uh, hire the right guy. You know, <laughs> and, and I'm joking, but that's sort of the theme of the show. It, I don't care necessarily who specifically it is. The more I look at it, the more I like the idea of, of uh, Doug Peterson or Jim Caldwell. You know, Doug, I've been looking at more and reading more about. I like that idea because he seems to have a, a a a leadership head head guy quality that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe for the sake of this answer, I'll say go with him. Uh, but hire the right guy, and by right guy, I mean a guy who the players will believe in even in tough times. All right, I I think that's a a reasonable answer. I just want to expect it. Here's mine. Spend to the cap over the next three years. When you look at the Jaguars' salary cap situation, it is well-managed. They always have room to flop money over into the next year. And for the next three years, they've got a rookie playing, a franchise-caliber rookie, I still believe, playing on his rookie deal. Maximize the next three years. The rule is is that over any three-given period, you have to spend to the average of 90% of the cap. Well, the cap took a huge jump this year, and it's going to take a bigger jump next year. The money is coming. Spend to the cap. Get the checkbook out. Now, I don't mean spend like a drunken sailor and just sign anybody. But Devontae Adams is going to be a free agent. If you want Devontae Adams, you're probably fighting with the Raiders and the Chargers, two teams that will take a chance on that kind of speed and will write a check, markets that he'd probably like to go to. However, get in it. Write him a bigger check. In other words, I want to keep Josh Allen. I want Devontae Adams or Allen Robinson or whoever the the big receiver is that can come in and give my quarterback a chance to go. You look at the the Buccaneers, you look at the Rams and the chances that they take with draft capital and with um, salary cap room. Okay, I mean, I, the, the part of me, like John, that's the old guy, says, whoa, don't get out there too far because you'll get cut off. And we saw what happened 
20 years ago to this franchise. But you know what? Over the next three years, while I've got some flexibility in my cap, if I'm Shad Khan or if he tells me I get to make the decision, I open that checkbook out and I start spending. And I start making aggressive plays for players that I identify have all the right attributes, physical and leadership, right? And I bring them in and I get, I'm not tired of being the Bengals from the 90s. I don't want to be the Jaguars of the 2020s. Damn it, I want to go forward. Here's my checkbook. Start spending. And, Shlyn, I know you'd love that, but you'd be online buying stuff from Amazon. Oh, Shoes my gosh. And, I'm yeah. so for that take. And Devontae Adams yeah, sounds real nice right about now. Yep. That would be a good thing to happen. And that is Ozone Snapshot on the Jaguars Digital Network. When we come back, some closing thoughts here on Jags Drive Time. Jaguars Game Day Radio is brought to you by Vice, our credit union. Do good, bank better. Today is Wednesday. Interim head coach Daryl Bevel meets the media shortly in about an hour. You can watch that on Jaguars.com live. Back on the practice field, getting ready for the New York Jets. Trevor Lawrence addresses the media after practice. Huddle Up podcast with Bucky Brooks, John Osher, J.P. Shadrick this afternoon. And we're right back here, Jaguars Drive Time, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. We'll see you then.